Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast. It's episode 41 here, and we're excited that uh, that you've joined us, you know, getting through all of these episodes. A lot of the uh, really interesting conversations that uh, Instructor Shannon and I have had, uh, we have uh, enjoyed hearing the feedback from you um, in our podcast audience. So if you would like to, you know, uh, comment or question or, um, you know, communicate with us about this podcast, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at McCann Dogs and we'll be able to, uh, to have a discussion. You know, one of the greatest parts about recording these podcasts is generating some discussion. And uh, the uh, topic we're going to talk about today, how many times should you say sit, is something that I think a lot of people um, really struggle with. And, you know, I have lots of friends who will say like, oh yeah, my dog knows how to sit or my dog knows how to lie down. Watch this. Sit, sit, sit. No, sit, 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 sit. And eventually they're right. But today we're going to talk about exactly how many times it's okay uh, for you to say sit. I'm Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. So Shannon, I love this blog post. I love, uh, you know, the, again, as I mentioned, the conversation that it generated. And uh, I think it's a key element of dog training in general. Um, now, what was the motivation behind writing this uh, blog? Uh, it's you know what it's really just day-to-day -day life and watching people interact with their dogs and like you said the person who says oh yeah my dog knows how to do that and then proceeds to call or give the cue you know five or six times and expecting the dog to understand that they should do it on one when you're going to give them five opportunities is really shooting yourself in the foot a little bit so i thought you know what i'm going to put some thoughts down on paper on how we can improve on that i think yeah, and, and there's some there's some key elements that you've included in the blog post, and uh, the first one that you mention is clarity, and I think this is something that we strive for as, as dog trainers, you know, as people who are teaching their uh, teaching our students to be dog trainers. Clarity is so important, and let's talk a little bit about why it's so important uh, under this topic. How many times you should say sit. Yeah, absolutely. Clarity with anything. I mean, if you if you think about anything in your life where you've been given instructions and they're they're not really clear, good instructions, and you're left with this feeling of confusion and frustration, our dogs feel that same thing as well. And it'll affect them in different ways at different points in their life and depending on what their temperaments are like as well. You know, some dogs, it'll roll off their back if you give them six or seven commands and they don't have to listen to any one of them. Some dogs won't worry about it. Some dogs want to do the right thing. Thing, and if they're confused and you're asking them to do something and they're not quite sure what you're asking for because they're lacking in that clarity, some dogs will get really, really worried about that situation. And I, I kind of likened that to the idea of, um, you know, driving past that, that police cruiser parked on the side of the road and you're going 20 over the speed limit and your, your hands get tight on the steering wheel and you start sweating a little bit and looking in the rearview mirror, is he going to pull out? Am I going to get a ticket? And I would imagine that would be about the same feeling for the dog if they are not sure whether or not they must or they're allowed to ignore or they can continue to do whatever they wanted to do in that situation. A lot of dogs will really stress about that scenario and we end up creating a situation where the dog is really uncertain there's they're lacking in clarity in the expectation department and they can get really really stressed about that some dogs 
the dogs that don't care, that won't get stressed about it, they're just not going to give you good response. So we want to make sure that as much as possible, we are always clear to our dogs. We always give them the opportunity to be able to read us well and respond with, you know, very little thought. So giving them a very clear cue and the same consistent cue each and every time is really going to make a big difference for them. And this is, um, I immediately think about some of our students who say, oh, you know, I've taught my dog to do this behavior using this word, can I still use it? And the answer is yes, because as long as you are consistent with uh, that word, the word doesn't matter. You know, the, the word doesn't mean anything until uh, to the dog until we teach it to them. So, uh, you know, being consistent is, uh, is a, a very, very important part of teaching your dog to do anything. Definitely. I always say there's no magic to the cues. The magic is your clarity of the cues. It's what you make that cue mean to the dog. So it doesn't have to be sit. You can use any word you want to mean sit. And I mean, if you look on the internet and you see people training their dogs in different languages, that sort of has an impact on me as well. Every time I think of that, I, I think, oh, I don't understand what that person's saying, but that dog clearly does. So no magic at all in any of the cues you use, as long as you use the consistent cue your dog, the magic will come. Yeah, and that leads us into the next um, point is uh, consistency and uh, why it's so important when you are teaching that new behavior to your dog. And I, I, I mean, it touches a little bit on um, the clarity aspect of things and, and being consistent uh, is so vitally important when you're teaching a dog that new skill. Uh, so talk, talk a little bit about this, uh, what you mean in this article with consistency. Yeah, so I, I mean, we being human, we tend to ramble on a lot sometimes. So we tend to use different lingo with our dogs, different tones with our voice, all sorts of things that can be confusing to a creature who's trying to learn how to identify basically a word. So if, for example, you were trying to learn a new language, say you were trying to learn French and you've never spoken a word of French in your life, and somebody showed you a cue card of an apple and they said apple and then they put it away. And then they showed you a cue card of an apple and they said car and they put it away. And they showed you a cue card of an apple and they said beach and they put it away. You're you're definitely not going to understand what that apple is. But if it's, you know, two or three repetitions of showing the apple and saying apple, that's going to be a much more consistent way of you getting that information. So the the other thing with consistency is in cues is when we say dogs are learning words, they don't actually learn words in the idea that they can comprehend the language. So for example, me saying the word sit sounds completely different than you saying the word sit. So in order for a dog to be able to generalize, we need to try as much as possible to stay close to that consistency in the term. So to be fair to my dog, if I'm teaching my dog to sit and my male partner is also teaching my dog to sit, we need to do some repetitions, both of us, so that the dog can understand that that sound coming from me means sit and the sound that's completely different coming from my male partner also means sit. So it, that consistency is really important. The intonation of your voice, all those things can be confusing to the dog. So as much as possible, we want to simplify and we want to keep those cues the same. When you mentioned that, I think about uh, the many years at McCann professional dog trainers that uh, I was a student. Um, and then I think about the years that I was an instructor and I would 
look at some of the classes. When I was a floor instructor, uh, I would listen to how some of our students would say a command, and maybe it's a sit or a come or whatever, and they often uh, very closely mimic the way that that head instructor had taught them to. I always thought it was so amazing uh, to hear people, you know, say come the same way as our head instructor would, and you could sometimes, if you had a makeup student that had maybe come from uh, one of the other classes and they were joining your class for that day, uh, you you would know that they were from Robbie's class, for example. They would say that come command or whatever. It, it, and I always thought that was so funny. Absolutely, it really is, really, really is. The other, um, the other thing with uh, consistency idea is the expectations that you have behind that cue. So if you expect the dog to sit on one cue and you give them one opportunity to sit, they're gonna rise to that expectation. That is what good training is all about. It's it's having that perfect mental picture of the end product that you want and working towards that very consistently. So uh, with us, you know, we are, we are dog trainers. This is what we do. So it's always in the forefront of our mind. What is what I'm gonna do right now going to produce down the road? So I never wanna be in a situation where I say to my dog, sit, 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 sit. Because now, two weeks from now, when I really need my dog to sit in a situation where there's some sort of danger and I need that consistency, I need my dog to remain in that sit until I release, I have created a situation where it's just not clear for him. He's not going to understand that sit is very important and that he has to maintain that position or that he has to sit on one command because I've given him four or five opportunities in all of the other times that I've been training or just hanging out with them in day-to-day -day life. If I give him too many opportunities to listen to a cue there, they don't understand the difference when the chips are really, really, when things are really important when I really need him to listen, they're not gonna understand the difference between those scenarios. So consistency across all of your training is so, so important. And those expectations are really what is going to make sure that your dog understands how to listen to cues. And you know, when I when I wrote this article, I said, how many times can should you say sit? But it's not just sit, it's every single cue that you give your dog and that you expect your dog to follow. If we say, you know what, you don't really have to come when I call in the yard because there's not any danger back there, your dog is gonna take that same way of looking at things and they're gonna run with it at the park or by the roadside, roadside or when you really do need them to come, they're not gonna have that expectation, they're not gonna have that consistency having been, um, been pushed into them and you're gonna end up in a situation where they do try to make that decision. Oh no, I'd much rather chase the squirrel than come. You usually call me three or four times and they just sort of learn to tune you out in that scenario. I often, um, I'm often so delighted. I, I find it so gratifying when our students you know, really don't know what to expect of their dogs. And in just a couple of weeks, they start seeing the behaviors that they were looking for. They really d had no idea that their dog could, you know, come from the other corner of the room past a bunch of other dogs, uh, you know, but we've, we've, we've inspired them to have these higher expectations of their dogs. And f all they've got to do is be consistent, you know, be clear, um, as well as know what to do if they don't get the result that they're looking for. Uh, and, and that's one thing that, you know, we help them, we show them how to uh, deal with those situations when they don't go right. So let's talk a little bit about what if the dog doesn't sit? What if you don't, uh, you know, have that desired outcome when you ask your dog to sit? Yeah, I would make it happen. And these are the questions that you have to answer for yourself, right? Wherever you are in the world, whoever you're working with as far as your trainers go, you just need to 
find that consistency and you need to make it happen. So in our training program, if my dog didn't sit, I would place my dog into the sit or depending on where my dog was at in their training, I might use a little bit of guidance using the leash to make sure that happened. What I never do is I never allow my dog to ignore a cue. And I shouldn't say never because you know what, we're all human. And there are times where I notice, for example, Reggie the other day was staring at me as I was eating and I said, go and lie down. And he just continued to stare at me. He was so mesmerized by the food. So I shouldn't say never. And I had to give him two cues and I made note of that. And that's what I do with my dogs. If I do find, you know what, I just had to say that twice. I make a mental note of it and I go back in my training to help them understand what it was that the expectation was. I don't, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm letting those things slide. So with my dogs, I do occasionally have to repeat myself more than once, but I make note of that and I make it part of my training plan moving forward and I fix that scenario. So with Reggie, I might go back to really reinforcing his lie down behavior because maybe we haven't done too much of that lately. So he forgot it in the face of that exciting food distraction. But I don't ever just want to be okay with that and be complacent with that because that sets me up for lowered expectations. It sets my dog up to think that it's okay to ignore things or to, you know, tune me out and not necessarily pay attention to my words. So I'm always going to make sure that I follow through. It becomes part of my training program moving forward. I do something to make sure that that does not become the habit. I think people, um, should understand that dog training is a, a dynamic process and it's ongoing. You know, you may encounter things that uh, your dog has never seen before or that you, again, if you have great expect, high expectations of your dog, you'll, you'll continue to be clear and consistent about making sure that they, they do come the moment you call come, that they do sit when you ask them to sit. I think it's so, uh, it's so important when we talk about following through, showing them, showing your dog how to be right, that you understand that there may be as a, as a dog owner, uh, for our listeners, that you understand that there may be situations where your dog finds it a little challenging because there's lots of distraction in the room and that you, you are armed, you're prepared to, to, to know what to do in that situation. It's really key, um, you know, about being clear. That's a great way to be a leader for your dog. Definitely. The leadership aspect is probably the biggest reason that I would ever enforce anything that I've asked my dog to do. So it seems like a simple thing if we're in the kitchen and we say, hey, you sit and they don't. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to be bothered at this point. But that really, those are the things that make your dog go, oh, you know what? It's inconsequential. I don't have to listen. I don't have to think about it. And that is the true lack of leadership right there. So leadership is not about being dominant with your dog. It's not about being stern and being pushy with your dog. All of the, um, all of the ideas of the, the pack leader, it, it, it's not, that's not how things work in dogs' minds. However, if we allow them to be complacent about how they listen to us and how they respond to the cues that we give them, that's where our leadership comes into question, where they're going to think, you know what, I don't really have to pay that much attention to you. I can go about my own agenda with no consequences, with no, um, with no thought to earning reward in those situations. I'll just be my own, my own dog over here and go and sniff. And, you know, you end up in a situation where they're going to not respect other cues that you've given them because they've gotten away with it, because they've been allowed to, because that's become the new habit, right? If my habit is 
listening and snapping to and, you know, responding well to something that somebody says to me, that's going to become ingrained. If on the other hand, my habit is just to ignore instructions that are coming around me, then that's going to become the new ingrained habit. So we really want to make sure from a leadership standpoint, it's the little things that make the difference. You know, if I say to my dog, sit, my dog either doesn't sit or happens to get up before I've said it's okay for him. And this is, of course, assuming that he's had enough training to be at the stage where this is a fair expectation. But I want to make sure that if he gets up, oops, you know what? You made a mistake. I'm going to place him back or I might physically use a little bit of a leash correction to get him back. I am not ever going to let him think that it is okay to just wander off when I've asked him to sit. Those are the things that really will make you a good leader in your dog's eyes. And it'll make them look to you for more instruction down the road and it's just going to make life a much easier thing. So we do sweat the small stuff with dogs and that makes all the difference in the big stuff. One thing that we always focus on is that the dog's attitude. You know, you want your dog to love training, to love working. And a great way to, um, you know, keep them excited about training is to be clear and be a great leader for them. And you talk about some of the small things that we do, uh, that we do in our everyday life that really um, reinforce the idea that you're a great leader for your dog and your dog will look to you for information. You know, they'll seek you out uh, in situations where they're unsure. And I think that's um, such an important part of, of being, I think there's a real misconception about what a leader means, what being a leader means to your dog. Um, but I think you really uh, encapsulated it well when you talked about all of the little things that you do. You know, if your dog's if your dog is uh, is listens, then they're they're able to come up on the couch with you. You know, if they if you say off and they get off, that's being a good leader. If your dog is wild and crazy and needs to be dragged off the couch when uh, it's inappropriate, then you know you're not being a good leader by allowing your dog to put themselves in that situation. When you talked a little yeah. bit about you know as long as your dog understands or you know is, has reached that training uh, where you can have the expectation that they'll sit the first time that you say sit, and then you, you replace them. That's, that's being clear, that's being consistent, and that's having high expectations of your dog, which will make it fun for them because dogs, you know, sometimes I see dogs struggle uh, with whatever the skill is. It doesn't matter, maybe walking on a loose leash or maybe it's uh, remaining in a down state when they first uh, start their training. And I often uh, have to really help the student understand, you know, maybe because maybe it's because you're not being clear about what you want with your dog. You know, once they start to pull on leash and then you, you can turn them around uh, the other direction or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it's funny how all these tiny little pieces can really turn you into a great leader for your dog. And the expectation of having, you, you know, your dog walk on a loose leash or remain in that downstay is so vitally important. And, you know, a lot of the podcasts that you and I talk about are uh, all these little slices um, that you can apply to your dog training at home that will will help you to quickly have a, a well-behaved four-legged family member. Definitely, definitely. And the, the, the leadership thing, I always equate it with dogs that are thoughtful or mindful. So for example, if my dog were to barge out the front door, that it's not my dog trying to be dominant. It's not my dog trying to shove me out of the way to get there. It's basically my dog just excited about getting from point A to point B. But 
it's very unmindful. It, it, it puts him in a situation where he is basically just acting on his own instincts as opposed to being thoughtful and saying, oh, am I allowed to go out the door? So all those little exercises, we, you know, we talked about um, should, you, should you allow your dogs up on the beds and the couches and, and, you know, things like having them come up when they're invited only as opposed to them just barging up whenever they want and plopping themselves on your guests' laps whenever they want or, you know, rushing the door when you open it it and you know, it tripping tripping you in the process or when you put their food bowl down for them to eat if you can't even get it down to the ground because they've got their head in there and they're saying gimme 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 you know those are all things that that i would consider to be skills that you can use to really boost your leadership and really help your dog understand in a very very gentle way help your dog understand that you are the one that provides all of the access that they want to resources to things like being on the couch to things like getting out the front door you know and then of course there's a safety element to that as well so if we create thoughtful dogs that look to us for permission rather than just barging through and doing their own things, we're going to have a much easier time in teaching them other skills when the distractions are tough, you know, when there is a competing motivator in the environment for your dog. If you've got that dog that's already learned to be mindful because you've been consistent with things at home, you know, you've asked for them to be mannerly, you've asked for them to hold the sit when you ask them to, et cetera, it's just going to make your life easier the rest of the time. It's such a nice thing. And we, we can really tell the dogs that have gotten used to sort of bowling their way through life versus the dogs that have learned to be a little bit calmer and wait for permission and ask for permission, et cetera. So it makes a huge difference in living with your dog. Just a nicer life really for both of you yeah absolutely and, and if you are listening to our podcast sitting at home or in your car or wherever thinking well i don't know if i'm giving my dog the right information maybe i'm not uh maybe i'm not being clear enough then uh, shannon and i have a an online training program called my dog can where we work we can work with you directly uh online at, at your pace and shannon tell us uh, a little bit about that my dog can program yeah, definitely. So it, it, My Dog Can is our grade one obedience program. So we have helped over 80,000 dogs in the last 36 years. Yeah, 1982. Um, we've helped over 80,000 dogs. We see 500 dogs a week come through our program here and we give them the basic skills to be a well-trained family member. You know, a lot of the little nuances that we're talking about here with leadership and whatnot, but more solid skills like Coming when called, regardless of distractions, is one of the main focuses of our program. Walking nicely on leash so that they're not pulling you down the street. You can enjoy your walks with your dog and stays as well. And stays are a great way of convincing your dog that you're a leader without having to be harsh. They're a great way of convincing your dog to have what we call emotional control, which basically allows them to use their brain to do things like sit calmly at the door while you open it rather than barging through, etc. So such an important skill. Um, all those skills come in our eight weeks of video lessons and you get access to the program for four months. And we are going to take you through that and we're going to support you. That's the difference with our program, I think, versus uh, any other online training program out there is you, you can reach out and talk to us. Like you can email me anytime. You can call our office anytime. You can uh, interact with us in our Facebook group where we put lots of great tips and tricks and, you know, some of these nuances that we talk about and, and, um, so much more. The, uh, my dog can clients get access to things that we don't 
published to the general public. So lots of great opportunities to learn. And those three really important skills are a big, big, big component. Yeah. And we, uh, we did a live stream not that long ago on our YouTube channel and we had one of our My Dog Can students in there and someone asked us about the program and she said, and I, I mentioned that we taught those three skills as well as there was all sorts of other things. And, uh, and then that student said it, but there's so much more, you know, whatever comes up in your dog training. I know sitting at home, you may be as a listener, you may be thinking, well, I don't, I'm not sure if I could do it myself. And that's the real beauty of the My Dog Can program is that you have access to professional dog trainers that will help you to be successful through the stages of dog training. So you don't have to feel like you're alone. You don't have to wonder if you're going to be successful. You can be confident that, you know, there is there are people there that are going to work with you so that you will be confident with your dog. And uh, Shannon and I spent a long time um, sort of bringing the program that had helped 80,000 uh, dogs to be well-behaved family members and turning it into an online program. And we knew that that uh, personal interaction, that the conversations that we have with with our in-class students, we needed to have with our online students, whether it be by phone or by email or whatever. So, um, you know, uh, and right now, Shannon, they can, if you, if people are wondering at home, you know, maybe whether it's for them or not, they can check it out right now for free. Absolutely. Try the first lesson for free. See what you think. And um, if you like it, we will give you so much more. I actually, it actually surprised me when things started really picking up in the, in the Facebook group how much we were able to teach people about dog training. When they come to class each week, we see them once a week and we send them home. And of course they can call in for support and whatnot through the week, but we really don't have a ton of time with them to delve into some of these other things. That was one of the really nice side effects of the My Dog Ken program, because you've got four solid months to talk about whatever you want is so many things came up and we started getting these great ideas of what we could talk about in the live streams to the group and what we could talk about in the classes and different tips and tricks and our, our my dog ken clients are becoming amazing dog trainers i'm so excited for them and i get so proud of them when they have these great accomplishments absolutely and uh i want to thank you shannon for um you know sh shedding a little light on the idea uh, of expectations of consistency of clarity and helping our podcast listeners to truly really understand how many times they should say sit before they expect their dog to sit. Now, if this is your first time on our podcasts, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We uh, publish new podcast, a new podcast every single week to help you to have a well-behaved four-legged family member. And when Shannon was mentioning the My Dog Can program, I'll pop a link to the My Dog Can program in the show notes below. Uh, but on that note, Shannon, we are. Uh, this is episode 41 that we are wrapping up. Uh, and I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was fun as always. And on that note, to our listeners, uh, happy training. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.